Welcome to the Scene to Scene podcast. I am your host, Valerie Complex. Today, I am chatting with Ji Young Yu. Ji Young stars as co-lead in the six-part limited series, Expats. I think I learn a little bit with every character that I play. I think usually I play a character and it causes enough introspection that I learn something about myself. I honestly can't gush enough about Freaky Tales. I'm so excited to share it with more people. If you like what you hear, be sure to review, like, and subscribe to the Scene to Scene podcast. Welcome back to Dealing Together. First caller? I bought three sweaters to get the fourth free. Oh, you got fleeced. Next caller? I traded my old Samsung at AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus and chose my plan. That's not a bad deal. It is not. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. There's plenty to celebrate in March and ex- Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free. Had enough of those supplements that leave you feeling nothing? Symbionica is your solution to great tasting, all natural supplements that actually work. Crafted with premium plant based ingredients, their products have no seed oils, fillers, or toxins. Try them out and actually feel the difference today. Visit Symbionica.com and use code IHEART for 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Again, that's 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Go to Symbionica.com. C-Y-M-B-I-O-T-I-K-A.com. Another big thanks to my guys, Walter, Scotty, and Lavelle. Congratulations again, fellas. You can see them receive the Black Music Honors Legends Award Saturday, June 25th. On Bounce TV. Welcome to the latest edition of 100, the Ed Gordon Podcast. Today, a conversation with one of the greatest R&B groups of all time, The Whispers. They formed in Watts, California in 1963. Three years later, a popular DJ in the Bay Area, Sly Stone, who would soon rock the music world himself with his band, The Family Stone, would invite the group to relocate to the San Francisco area, where they began to hone their craft. By 1970, they had their first hit, Seems Like I Gotta Do Wrong. That became the first in a line of hits including, And the Beat Goes On, Lady, It's a Love Thing, and Rock Steady. The group is still touring, giving fans what they want. And recently, the Whispers received the Legends Award at the Black Music Honors event. I spoke with the group's three surviving members, twin brothers Wallace and Walter Scott, who share lead vocals, and Lavelle Degree, who joined the group in 1973. Lavelle, I'll ask you first. um, When you think about where you are today, you could not have dreamed or imagined this kind of longevity, I would think. I mean, I, I I wouldn't even think that would ever be in your head. No, I mean, no, it's just it just uh, shows how blessed we are. We would never think that. Well, I've been with the group 
like 47 years, but we've been together, you know, I mean, this, this is going on our 53rd, 54th year. So who would ever imagine that in the day that anybody would have a, a career that long? That to me, is just shows one, uh, we always, we always put the man upstairs first for allowing us to have this kind of longevity to our fans. Our fans are just the most incredible people because without them, you could not be here. So, you know, we wake up every morning pinching ourselves saying, you know, what did we do to deserve this kind of longevity? You know, and uh, we're just so happy, so proud, so thankful. Uh, I mean, you could not believe um, how we feel inside to to be here this long and be able to do it on the level that we're doing it now. Otherwise, we would be thinking about retirement. We always said that if if we couldn't do it on us on a certain level, then we would yeah. be done. Let me let me turn my attention to them Scott boys and ask them. Uh, you know, <laughs> when you guys started out, I mean, you're about to uh, receive uh, the Black uh, Music Honors Lifetime Achievement Award. You know, you guys have been saluted by the R and B Hall of Fame and, and the like. Tell me about the dream you had of what you wanted and the reality that I'm sure surpassed that dream. You know what? Well, I was, I, normally I would let Walt, because you, you, you've known us long enough had to know who, who likes to talk the most in the room. You just used the key word that I have to speak on because all my life I've been a dreamer. And that is the best word to describe what has happened. I, I actually dreamed this. I've been dreaming all my life. The only good thing is that the dream came true. We've been everywhere. We've done everything. We've been here. We're still able to, like Lavelle said, we're singing on a level, you know, uh, that I just wouldn't have believed. I mean, I'm singing in the same key I was singing in 30 years ago. That's all a blessing that I, I don't take for granted. But I dreamed as a kid, I dreamed of doing this. And, I, and so that's why I'm kicking off on that word that you used, because the dream basically came true for the whispers. Well, what about you, man? I start to think about uh, over 50 years ago in the Jordan Down Projects in Watts, California. Yeah. That is right. We were out there doo-wopping. If you remember then, Motown was the, the standard. We all wanted to be like the Temptations and the Four Tops. And so, you know, we were no different. But, man, we had no idea that 50 years later we'd be here. We'd been nominated for the Grammy, you know, the Black Music Honors. It's just a, a dream come true, man. You know, we've been out, we've been to Europe, we've been to Asia. So we just never could have dreamed in any way when we were, we started out winning little small talent shows with a DJ back here in Los Angeles. I think it was Hunter Hancock. Hunter Hancock had these talent shows and Scotty and I had won most of them, but then we hooked up as a vocal group. But as he said, man, if, you, if you'd have told me 53 years later that we would still be going on stage singing uh, at the level that we do, you know, if you've seen our show, it ain't, it's not, it ain't lack, it's still kicking, you know, <laughs> so I'm just, I'm amazed, but more than anything, man, I just feel blessed, you know, yeah. really, really blessed. You know, you guys have over the years worked with some great people, but I think a lot of people don't know the connection that you guys had in the beginning with Sly Stone. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. That was Sly was a disc jockey in San Francisco. Actually, his dad was a minister up in the Bay Area. But we had a little small record in Los Angeles, and uh, he heard the record and decided to bring us up for an interview. 
at the radio station where he was a huge, he wasn't Slash Stoneman. He was the biggest disc jockey at the radio station in the Bay Area. And he brought us up and uh, we talked about our song. And that's how we ended up in the, the Bay Area. We ended up staying in the Bay Area probably for the next 10 years, you know, but it was Sly that really launched what we were trying to do. The group's classic lineup was made up of Walter, Scotty, and Lavelle, plus Nicholas Caldwell and Marcus Hudson. Hudson died in 2000, and Caldwell passed away in 2016, leaving the three remaining members to carry on delivering the music. Let me ask you guys about keeping a group together for as long as you have, because we should note the, the classic lineup of The Whispers had two more gentlemen who are no longer with us. Right. Um, but clearly with us, with the the life of the music, and I am sure in spirit, I found it interesting that you all have chosen not to replace them. You know, you see a lot of groups wanting to, to replace members who either quit or move on from this life. Give me a sense, and I'll ask all of you uh, this, um, of what it's like to, A, lose members when you look to your left or right who've been there with you for so long. You know, that's got to be an adjustment. And also um, what you guys have been able to, to do by means of just keeping the group together. Well, I don't know. Maybe I'll start with that one. Um, it's something that you learn to move on. You know, when you have two members that you lost, you, you move on. Even with band members that we lost, you, you, you tend to move on because you have to. Mm-hmm. And because that's something that I know that they would want us to do. But it still hurts, you know, when you look over. I mean, Nicholas and Marcus was always on my right side. And to lose Marcus and then, right, you know, then, you know, several years later to lose Nick, you still, I'm still looking over at my, my right side. And, and you know, my, 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 the person that has been with me longer than some marriages have worked, you know what I'm saying? I mean, you know, it's almost like a marriage. And to look over and see that, that empty spot, it's, you know, you move on, but it still hurts. I mean, I have a picture of Nick in my house that I walk past every day, you know, and uh, it keeps his memory alive. And when I make decisions or things that I want to do, because Nick was kind of like the, the person that balanced us all. So mm-hmm. whenever yeah. something comes out of our, my mouth, I think of, well, okay, how would Nick say this? And how would Nick do it? Because he was the one that kept us all focused. So I don't think you ever get over it. You you right. just you just move right. on, and you know. So yeah, yeah. For me, Ed, uh, I have an admission. When we lost Nick, I, I did want to call him. I said I'm through because I didn't think I could go on without Nick. But as Lavelle said, it was Nick who said, "Guys, we got to keep this going. We got something special." And Ed, you know us long enough to know that Nick was the the conscience. He was the core. Mm-hmm. He kept us all kind of in line. So for me, I told my brother, I said, you know what? I don't know how I'm going to continue to go out here on stage. It's hard to smile, which is what we have to do when you're really not ready to smile. And that's what I guess for the first year that we were on stage, that we had to go through that. But I remember what Nick said. You know, he said, man, we started something that we had no idea that would be this great. So keep on, you know, so but. We thought, we said, well, what about replacing somebody? He said, no, we don't have to do that anymore. We, you know, with technology, 
Scotty and I still can sing the lead and we can do part of the background. So keep it going. And for that reason, we scuffle through it. But Lavelle is right. If I, if I can't lie to you, Tay. Right now, you know, you've seen our show. Nick was a guy that was in the background that could have been the lead singer because he's the guy that you couldn't take your eye off of. Mm-hmm. So it took me a long time to uh, get to where we are now. And uh, the only reason I do it is because I remember what he said. He said, hey, man, let's keep this going. As long as we can do it credibly. Now, I don't, you know, I don't, if I don't want to get out there. If I can't hit the high, then I'm mm-hmm. gone. You never actually get over it. You just learn how to live. You know, it's like when you, you lose your parents, you know, like to this day, I'm not over the fact that my mom's gone, but I've learned how to live without her. You just mm-hmm. learn how to do that. But, and, and Nick kind of put that he was the one, as, as you remember, you know, he was the one really that had all the energy. You know, we had the type of show, but he was the kind of guy that, like Walt said, your eye kind of stuck to him because he had so much energy. He was like that with everything that we did, though. He was very organized, very detailed. I mean, Lavelle can attest to even though when he came in the group, it took him a year before he ever hit the stage because when we were saying, we said, Nick, how long is he going to sit in the back, man? You know, how long are you going to have him behind the curtain? At some point, he got to he gotta come out on some dicks and all, he ain't ready. You know, so when is he going to be ready? You know, but it's so, so, it, it, it went on, the bell was about with you. So for a good year, almost a year and a half, and then what was so funny is the night that Nick finally did decide to say, it's time for you to come on. He put a bell ready. He's ready to go. So what? I'm actually going on stage. So all, these are the kind of things that he brought, the memories that are so good now that, uh, yeah, we miss it, man. We're going to always miss it. You know, uh, Lavelle mentioned it, the idea of being like a family. If, if I remember correctly the story, uh, Walt, I think you were the one drafted. Yeah. Um, and, and had to go to Vietnam. And, and Scotty, um, mom said to you, <laughs> yeah. no, you know, you ain't about to take everybody out there till that boy get back to safe. Is that is that close to it? Yeah. Well, yeah. What happened when, we were, when I came back, they had surpassed me so far. I mean, they were real professionals. So when I got back into rehearsals, I didn't know what to do. So Scotty went to my mother and he said, you know, mama, I don't know if Junior's what they call me. He said, I don't know if Junior's going to make it. You know, we're trying to do everything we can, but I don't think he's going to make it. So my mom said, well, you better hope that he does make it because if he don't make it, you ain't going to make it. (laughs) (laughs) Your first single hits about 64. Mm -hmm. Here we are in 2022. (laughs) And not only are you all still getting honored. But if you play a gig, people are still coming. You know, I'm going to say it to you like my wife said it to me, because sometimes, you know, when you, we, right now, because we still tour on a regular basis, we go do shows, we come back home. And sometimes, you know, because we're older, I'll be the first one to admit, it's not the gig. That's not the problem. It's not the gig. It's getting to the gig. <laughs> but, you know, when you get to Peter's age, but my wife has to tell me all the time, you know what? Just be glad somebody somewhere yes. wants to see you do whatever it is that you do. Yeah. There, there's still people, whether it's a club, theater, and all, we've been all over the world. And we can't say this enough. We've all said it because it's just the truth. If anybody would have told us that we'd even still be doing this 53 years, 
I, t- I dream, but I wasn't dreaming like that. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I'm happy that it happened, but hey, that's the way it rolls. And you know, to take it a little further, Scotty always says something in the show. He's, you know, he always tells the people, thank you for coming to our show. And then he'll talk about, you know, um, how we look. He says, even though we look a little bit different than we did it even means more now because you know we're not as sexy as we used to be we ain't, we ain't as, as trim we ain't got no six pack we don't have all of that going on but we wind up trying to do what we do best a show and that just shows how much people love the whispers and how we have such great fans that still want to come and hang out and be with us and, and 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 enjoy the show. So when you don't have that six pack and you you know you you know you don't have the hair gone on your head and stuff like that, <laughs> all of that, all of that kind of stuff, and the people still come, man, we are just three right now, three of the most blessed men on planet Earth. Yeah, that's so true. Let me yeah. let me ask you guys in terms of the longevity, though, there are groups who continue to tour, uh, continue to draw audiences. But as you say, age uh, doesn't miss any of us. And when you're a singer, you got to say a prayer to keep that voice, because as I remind people, the record was when people were 20, 25, 30. <laughs> now you're asking them to sound the same at 70. Yeah. Uh, that isn't always the case, but you guys still sound great. How much of it is um, you taking care of yourself? How much of it is God given? What is it that that has allowed that? Well, you know what I start with, Ed? I always say this. We were blessed to have three incredible mothers. They put. We, it started out with them making us understand that you're only as strong as your weakest link, and they 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 drilled it in us to never try to be something that you're not. So we really came along. And this, Nick kind of kind of reinforces too. You notice there was never uh, the whispers featuring Scotty and Wald or the twin, you know. It's just been the whispers. And thank God, we've never drank, never smoked, no, no dope or nothing like that. So God has truly blessed us to be in our 70s and like Scotty said, we sing the same key now that we did when we made that mm-hmm. the beat goes on. Mm-hmm. So that's just a blessing, man, from the man upstairs. Uh, the little part that we had to do with, I think that we had a great upbringing. We weren't rich, but man, our parents put in us a mentality that lasts to this day. You know, right. we're thankful. And I say this all the time when we make a comparison, we tell younger groups this. Today's artists, they're just great. No question about it. But they have an arrogance about them that we just didn't have when we came up. In other words, when you came to see our show, we gave you the impression that we were so glad that you came to see us that night. Mm -hmm. Today's artists kind of say, you know what? You ought to be glad that I'm here. (laughs) That's the, that's, I mean, and maybe they don't mean no harm. They call it hard or whatever you want to call it. But that humility, man, has kept us here for 53 years, and I'm convinced of it. You can't miss when you're humble and honest. Yeah. I want to get into the, the catalog for a second, but what's what's unique and I think doesn't always get it's just due is, you know, you had the Philly sound. We were talking about the OJs yeah. and Eddie Levert before we got going and Walter Williams and, and Gamble and Huff and all that, those great musicians that came out of Philly. 
you of course had the Motown sound, but yeah. there is a sound of Los Angeles. You know, the mm-hmm. solar sound is what yeah. uh, many people called it. And you guys uh, became a big part of creating that sound. Yeah. Give me a sense of that era of music for you guys and, and the unique uh, place that you all play in it. Well, this was a small record company uh, headed up by uh, Dick Griffey, who really was trying to emulate Barry Gordy at Motown. He wanted Solar Records to be another Motown, but he basically garnered the talent from the Los Angeles area, and then eventually he went all over the country getting talent. But man, what a success. It, it, it was something that just emerged without anybody knowing it. And all these young people who were in their prime, Leon Silvers, mm-hmm. Babyface, you know, they were in the in the area where they were up and coming. They hadn't made it yet. And oh man, it just made for the most incredible atmosphere. I mean, Dick was the kind of guy that let artists take their wings and fly. You know, he wasn't there standing over you telling you what you gotta do. He really wanted you to be who you were. And that's kind of really how Motown, I mean, uh, Solar got its start by Dick giving the freedom to these young acts to be themselves. Mm-hmm. And as you know, he had Solar went on to be something that we were all proud of, man. No question about it. And, and, and you need to name people like Shalimar, Lakeside, yeah, uh, yeah. Babyface yeah. baby and L.A. I mean, they weren't, they, they, they were Kitty Edmund and Leon, you know, L.A. Reed, L.A. Reed. Yeah. But I mean, like Walt said, the good thing that I lo- loved about Dick Griffin, first of all, he was musical. People didn't realize he was a producer in his own right. I mean, but he didn't, like Walt said, he didn't force himself upon it. He understood the importance of letting the act be whatever the act was. And even if it wasn't, build it. You know, when he first brought Leon Silvers to the Whispers, him being the older brother of the Silvers, we questioned, wasn't it we we didn't want to do? We said, well, wait a minute, what can he do? Dick knew something musically that even we didn't know. Now, true enough, Leon Silvers basically was a bass player, hell of a bass player, but we had no idea that he was the writer and the producer that, I mean, the biggest song we've had in our lives came from Leon Silvers. And then he went on, of course, to do other people. But like Walt said, all this was in that one little building over there and in Hollywood that Dix, he knew exactly what he had. You know, the only thing, and it's not a bad thing, as far as I'm concerned, when him and Don Canis hicked up, if, if, I hate to say this, but if Ego hadn't stepped in, they would have been the two biggest black men in America. That's true. But this, that's a whole nother show. Yeah, I know the stories, fellas. I know the stories. Let me ask you guys this. You know, I think of the early hits that you guys had. And I mean, you know, I was coming up junior high school, high school and and and. You know, I only meant to wet my feet and Olivia and, you know, uh, uh, um, you know, they they start to kind of give the the name of the whispers uh a mother for my ch- uh, children you know i think of all yeah. of those yeah. bingo yeah. you know oh and then, yeah. yeah well you, y'all know y'all know how yeah, i feel about you look i didn't have to research <laughs> that part because that, it's all up here on that one yeah, yeah, and all. Boy, i can't mess with you <laughs> but then uh and the beat goes on hits and a record like that can change a group from one that you fondly remember to one that you don't forget. Give me a sense of 
what that song and, you know, two or three of the others, it just became massive rock steady and, and we can yeah. go on and on. But what is that like to have, you know, records like that, that really transcend, uh, you know, all the charts, color, race, et cetera. W- what's that yeah. like? Well, I'm glad you brought that up because like, like DeVell said, we, we, we tell these things in our show. We try to give a little history to people who maybe, and most black people, if they're older, it's not that they don't know we've been here long enough, but there's some every now and then don't really know what we've done and who and what, who we've done it with. But, and the beat goes on. And I say this in the show, and I, I'm not to be funny, it's the honest God truth. And the beat goes on. Before we had it, I might be able to get my clothes out the cleaners. Mm-hmm. After we got it, I almost was ready to buy the cleaners. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I'm trying to, I mean, I know it sounds funny, but it was that, we went from, because we, Ed, as you remember, we came close a lot of times, you know, mm-hmm. and then there were times when we had records, didn't nobody buy them, but, you know, my mother, Lavelle's mother, and, you know, <laughs> Nick's mom. You know, it, it didn't get to, and, and we said, well, wow, when is it going to happen? I mean, uh, Olivia lost and turned out. We came very close. You know, to, to go record. But I remember when And the Beat goes on, when the night we finished it in the studio, we all knew that night that it was going to be a hit. Now, we didn't, we didn't know it was going to be as big as it got. But, you know, you got the playback in when everybody, you done finished and you do the playback and it's blasting all through the studio. Mm-hmm. So, of course, you know, we said, wow, if this don't make it, we're going to do what my mom said. My mom said, maybe I need to go with some jobs now with some benefits. You know, just, <laughs> ain't nothing happening. But when we finished that, one thing out of nowhere, it went from gold to platinum so fast that we said, wait a minute, you sure this is the Whispers? You know, because there was another group in, in Europe that was called the Whispers. And we were thinking, you know, something's going on here. Is this us? Or, I mean, you know, is it them? When they brought them five gold albums out, and we were in uh, Louis Vuitton and Louisiana doing a show live, they stopped the show, brought out five gold albums, and that was then the beat goes on. From that point on, it went gold, platinum, double platinum, and our lives shaped. In answer to your question, and the beat goes on changed our lives, no doubt about it. That's when people ask me what's my favorite song. That's why I always say it. I mean, I got a lot of songs that I love that we've done, but And the Beat Goes On, without a doubt, changed our lives completely. And Lavelle, if it, if it weren't enough to have that, then you guys go on to have Rock Study. And, right. you know, and that is uh, thanks to L.A. and Babyface. Um, mm-hmm. Give me a sense of what that is to have for sure. I can argue a couple others. But for sure, two songs that you can't do a concert unless unless you do those two. It's going to be some trouble in the parking lot. That's true. Uh, you know, and when and when you hit those songs, give me a sense of what you what you feel when you see the reaction. Well, the the, the reaction. Well, number one, like Scotty said, when you have and the beat goes on that comes out that you know almost didn't get done based on you know the fact that Leon was such a a stickler on how he wanted things, and 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 we had to beg Scotty to come back in the studio and do it. But once we struck gold, and then we struck platinum, it's like then then Babyface comes. 
you know, with, you know, with the uh, rock steady. It was like, I, I, I always think, you know, where they say lightning doesn't strike the same place twice. Right. Well, that was like what happened with us. So when we had that lightning strike twice, we were like, you know, oh, my God, uh, you know, is this really happening to the whispers? Because we had been struggling so long. And matter of fact, you know, when when the Rocksteady came, I mean, when the end of beat came out, we had done one show. The year before it came out, one show. We were actually staying. We were at home. We were like we were on COVID then because we didn't we didn't do any shows at that point, and we were really struggling with even continuing at that point. And uh, right. when that song came out, it like Scotty said, it changed everything. But to have lightning strike twice, and then have you know, lady say yes, you know, in the mood, all of those things, you know, that actually kind of like was the icing around those two mega hits was just unbelievable for us. I mean, we, like I said, we just didn't believe it was us. And like Sky said, we were able to put our kids through college and, and, and (laughs) do everything that, you know, that, that we struggled not to have, we lived, we, we were able to do things for our families and stuff like that. So we felt so humble and so blessed when I bought my first house, you know, you know, it, it was like almost uh, going from 100 and <laughs> I laugh at it now, going from $195 a note to now buying a house and I'm paying $600 and I'm having a cardiac arrest because I'm like, <laughs> am I crazy? You know? <laughs> and then then when, you know, then when we had their second hit, I wind up buying even a bigger house and having a bigger note. So it was just uh, it just allowed us to achieve some things that we only dreamed of. And it was allowing us to, you know, uh, and that's why I, I love our fans, because it wasn't just me that put my kids through college that were able to give them, a, you know, a nice life. It was people that loved us, loved yeah. the whispers that allowed me to take care of my family in the way that I did. So um, we're very that's why I love the whispers. Whispers have so much humility, so they're so humble. And we thank our fans because nothing that we have done in life through our for our kids or now our grandkids and our great grandbabies could not be achieved without the, without our fans. Let, let me take you guys to one more song, which I think goes to my next point about the whispers. There are some groups who are great at love songs. There are some groups that are great at upbeat songs. And then there are a couple of musicians that can do both equally. And I think of, um, you know, maybe Nick's calling car would say yes. Um, And what that did, because now when you listen to the radio and I mean, each generation is different. I'm not trying to act like the old guy, get off my lawn. You know, each generation, my mother mother thinking, you know, people who are classic now, she still couldn't figure out Prince for as long as he lived. You know, he wasn't that King Cole. That's what she used to tell me. He ain't that King Cole. (laughs) Give me a sense of a, how you guys have been able to kind of craft both and, and not be looked at as frauds on either side of the fence. 
And um, the idea of what Say Yes was, because even though it seems very tame now, you know, when that hit, back then, uh, oh, yeah. you know, and you going around to her navel, boy, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> you know what, Ed? There's an irony involved, and it's funny. Before we had And the Beat Goes On and Rock Steady, we were known as a balladeer group. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. we we wanted we wanted our biggest hit to be ballads that we could really attribute, talk to the ladies. You know, this was Nick's unique talent. You know, when we first started out, Nick, we all got together and we had this idea of saying that, man, if we could compliment our females, our mothers, our sisters, our wives and girlfriends, there's no way that we could not be a success. So what happened, to Lavelle put it best when he said lightning struck twice because our uniqueness was singing lady and say yes. But then lo and behold, these two young producers come along, Face in L.A. and Leon Silvers, where that beat goes on. And we were able to execute their production with this up-tempo that brought us, and, and the beat goes on's case, that's really simply the biggest song. that It was, it was two-plus platinum. Most people think Rocksteady is, but and the beat goes on is the biggest song mm-hmm. that we ever had. But mixed with that, you come to our show, and you hear lady and say yes, and man, they're, they're, they're all equal. So man, we were just, and that's, man, that's just the biggest blessing in the world for us to have four songs. I mean, we're talking about two ballads and two ups that we, would make with the, with, that we were able to execute. And I really think that's why we're here 53 years later. And I wanna add, let me add to one, there's a little short story that I think is very important that with, with Rocksteady in particular, because the way it, with, the way it came to us and what happened, it's, sound, it's gonna sound crazy, but it's the honest God truth. And then Lavelle, you remember mm-hmm. when Babyface and L.A. Reid heard "And the Beat" and they knew it was the biggest song that we had. They told Lavelle one night in the studio, "You know what? When we come back tomorrow night, we're gonna have another one." So Lavelle said, "Yeah, well, great. We know two young guys. They young really guys. think they're gonna come with you. Yeah. 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 Like, you don't get two Aretha's. You don't get two." Nat King Cole, you don't get, you know, they just, it just don't happen like that. But so when he told Lavelle that, Lavelle, of course, he said, well, oh, that's great. Which be sure and bring it. You know, we definitely need it. <laughs> Not expecting. Honest God, truth, when they came back the next night and played Brock Steady, now we know they didn't have it before they told us that because we would have heard it long before that. Mm-hmm. They actually did go, Kenny in particular, he actually did go back based on what he heard with And The Beat, and his version of And The Beat was rock steady. And, and Lavelle, could, you couldn't have put it no better when you said lightning struck twice, because even when we heard it, we said, no, no, can you believe this? <laughs> I mean, we couldn't believe it. We, we, I said, where did he get this? But this is what he heard. I mean, this is a tribute to when you talk about L.A. Reid and Babyface in their early days, I mean, we think they didn't even realize how strong they were. Mm, you no. know, because and, and when we first when they basically what happened with both of them, the songs that we did with Babyface was songs that the deal didn't like. Yeah, they you didn't want to do. If you mm-hmm. remember, Ed, you know they had the group called the Deal. Yeah. What yeah. the deal really was, it was four guys that looked like Prince. Right. Because mm-hmm. that's who they idolized. That's who they really wanted to be. Mm-hmm. Everybody but Kenny. Kenny had these ballads. And when he played them for us, he said, man, you know, my group, man, they don't, they're not, they ain't into this. 
So we said, oh, yeah, but we are. <laughs> and we took the stuff to Dick. And Dick said, Mike, you mean they don't want to do this? <laughs> it, this was written for us. So that whole thing came about. And as you well know, from that point on, Kenny and L.A., they went and everything. The rest yeah. with them was history. Let me ask you something, Scotty. Um, do you still to this day get people yelling out, hey, Scotty, what's that? Oh, yeah. <laughs> you, know what? oh, yeah. <laughs> I, you know, my wife said, you know what? You Why do you have to have the name Scotty? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> my wife tells me, because oh, all I hear is, Scotty, what that mean? You know, my says, I don't know. I, I wish I could check. All I know is I'm happy you said it. Keep on saying it. <laughs> it still's happening. Hey, listen, man. I, you know, you, you all know I could talk to y'all forever uh, because I have been a huge fan for so long. I tell this story to this day. You know, I've been blessed with a great career, but when I knew I was making it, and this is the God's honest truth, I think this was absolutely the first time I met you all. I don't know where we were. It was an event. You all were getting ready to perform. I was backstage and and. Walt, you and Scotty came over to me and said, because I'd been on BET, hey, Ed Gordon, man, keep on doing what you're doing. We love you. I swear to you, I ran and called people and said, guess, what? guess who knows me? Guess who knows me? <laughs> <laughs> hey, Ed, I'm going to pull you back right I know exactly when that was. And I'll tell you what we really said that I know you don't want to say. We were at the Soul Train Christmas party. Okay. You and your wife, and 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 I remember what I said, what I said to you, because uh, it was weird. We had been watching Soul Train and, and Donnie Simpson, and I said to you, I said, Ed, whenever you get time, go talk to Donnie Simmons, Donnie Simpson, Donnie Simpson, and maybe he can start dressing the way you dress. <laughs> you, know, you don't remember that. But that's what I was too young and crazy. I probably even should have said that's, that's the night at the Christmas party. Well, there you go. Was that's what happened. Well, listen, I am so glad that we have kept this going all this time. And congratulations to you guys. Uh, no better group could have it. The Black Music Honors Lifetime Achievement Awards. And I'm, I'm happy that y'all are still out there and doing your thing, fellas. Thank yeah, you. Man. Thank you. Thank you so much. Man. Thank you. Appreciate it. Thank you, Ed, very much. is produced by Ed Gordon Media and distributed by iHeartMedia. Carol Johnson-Green and Cherie Weldon are our bookers. Our editor is Lance Patton. Gerald Albright composed and performed our theme. Please join me on Twitter and Instagram at Ed L. Gordon and on Facebook at Ed Gordon Media. <laughs>